<clears throat> Can you hear me in the booth? Loud and clear, Lisa. Oh, good. Thank you, sir, for letting me be in a real studio. It's a genuine thrill, sir. Could I trouble you with one request? Sure thing. No synthetic sound, please. I want all live musicians. Born under a bad side. Been down since I began to crawl. And what's up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You're listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. And on this podcast, we talk all things film, television, and video game music. I am Christopher Coleman, and joining me today is... Kristen Romanelli of Film Score Monthly Online. And I'm Eric Woods of Cinematic Sound Radio. Today is Monday, March 26, 2018, and this is episode 104... The Soundcast 6, Volume 7, where we talk about six of the most compelling topics in the last week from the world of film music. Hey guys, guess what? You can find all of the episodes of the Soundcast. Do you know some places where you can find it? Oh, on my hard drive? <laughs> yes. Your Great. hard drive? Yes. Other I'm going to say iTunes because I'm subscribed. Bingo. Don't you mean Apple Podcasts? Oh, yeah. Yes, Apple Podcasts. Formerly known as... iTunes. The, the artist formerly known as iTunes. Yes. <laughs> there are other places, too, like... Uh, Stitcher. Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Acast, and most recently on Spotify. Yay, Spotify. Congratulations. I can't even get on Spotify. Um, My show's different. I can't. That is super legit. Yeah. It is super legit. I feel super <laughs> legit. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know how many people are listening on Spotify yet, but if you're a Spotify listener, man, it's so much more, so much easier for you to listen to the show now. It's it's ridiculous. You have no excuse not to listen to it. But you know what else? If people like wanted to send feedback, they can do it by email, uh, and that email address is soundcast at tracksounds dot com. Have you guys ever heard of that email address before? Mm, yes. Yeah, it's my and, favorite. Uh, is it though? <laughs> Mm. Is it? Because there's another way people can leave us a message about the show. The brand new Speak Pike widget. <laughs> Not Speak Pike. You speed by... Pike. Oh. <laughs> speed Pike speed widget. Pike. Speed now we're going to be confusing new people. They're speak. like, wait, what's that? Speak. Speak Pipe. If we can't find the Speak Speed Pike widget, speed you pike. definitely can I'm find the it. Speak Pipe widget which is on the site soundcast.com you'll see it on this little side so orange thing click it you record yourself it sends the message to us and if it's good we'll put it in the show um you can also follow us on twitter our official twitter account for this show is at audio soundcast if you just want tweets about this show like when there's a new show up or some behind the scenes stuff for who knows what, but it's all soundcast related. Then follow us at soundcast or at audio soundcast on Twitter. If you're looking for 
that and a whole bunch more of soundtracky stuff, then you can follow us at Track Sounds. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook as well. Well, welcome back, guys. We're doing another six stories just after we did six stories like a week ago. Can I hope it's that? six Star Wars stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll see what we can do. I bet there probably would be six if we really looked through the news <laughs> to find to talk about. I think so. I think we could do it. But there isn't going to be six. Mm. There will be one just for you, Eric. We, I made sure we had one. So let me let me run down quickly what the six stories we're going to be going over are tonight. The first story is not really a story. It's kind of a mini review of uh, the score and some of the movie itself for Annihilation, which came out weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Um, but no one else in the world saw it, so I had no one to talk to about it on the show. Um, and now, finally, Kristen has seen it, and I just found out that you saw it. I didn't realize you saw it, Eric, or we mm-hmm. could have done this ages ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because it's in Canada, where you are, it was on Netflix, mm-hmm. but I saw it on the big screen. Kristen, you saw it on the big screen. So we're going to yep. talk about that a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit to talk about with that film and that score, I think. Uh, the second story is our Star Wars story. We need to have a Star Wars drop right there. But our Star Wars story for, for this episode, we're going to be talking about the, the announcement of the re-release of the soundtracks on May the 4th. Uh, the third story is about a Kickstarter project um, by Austin Wintry called A Light in the Void, a live concert and broadcast event. And then another Kickstarter story, which is um, about the Green Rider book soundtrack. There's um, someone who's going to be or is writing a soundtrack for that for that book, and they're doing a Kickstarter project for it. And I think it's pretty interesting. So we're going to talk about that. And the fifth story is going to be another kind of quasi mini review of The Shape of Water, both the movie and the score. And then our last story is. Um, Revisiting, I don't know if we talked about it before. I think we did. Um, but if we didn't, we're going to be talking about the replacement of composer Alf Clausen by um, the group Bleeding Fingers to do the original score for The Simpsons in this upcoming uh, season, which is their 28th season, I think it is. Um, and so we're going to end the show talking about the interesting article that was published on the Australian website, themusic.com.au. So those are our six topics of the night. Eric and Kristen, are you ready for these? Let's do it. Are you ready for Annihilation? Yeah. Okay. It's going to be a challenge to make that the first story. But Kristen has our timer ready. For those of you who have not heard of Soundcast 6 episode before, we have 10 minutes to talk about each one of these topics, and no more nor less. So actually, we do both more and less from time to time. Um, yep. if, we, if we do less, we save up the time and we use it for another topic. But we try to do... Roughly. We, we, roughly. We, we try to stick to 10 minutes each. So we're ready to go on topic number one, which is yep. Annihilation, a movie by... Um, oh, man, I just forgot his first name. Alex, Alex Garland. Uh, the original score is composed by... Uh, Jeff Barrow and Ben Salisbury. So let's quickly just talk about our general reaction, quick reactions. What did you guys think of the film itself? Did you like this film, Eric? Did you not like it? What was your reaction to it? Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I was 
captivated, I think, from the opening frame, and um, I love the, the, the look of it. Um, I thought it was somewhat of a, a unique story. It reminded me of, um, oh, now I've lost the name of the movie. Um <laughs> Darn it. Not been a very good uh, the, the 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 uh, the women going into the into the caves and and the, oh. the, it's it's like aliens the in cave. Uh, the descent. That's what this reminded me of because it's uh, oh. you know uh, a platoon of women who go into this strange alien land on Earth, and um, I just thought it was a a, a unique um, alien story, and I thought the acting was fine. I thought the 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 premise was pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. There's one particular scene which might be one of the creepiest things <laughs> I've seen. However, you know, there's actually been two movies this year that have created some really unique uh, monsters. One was uh, the Ritual, which mm. is about the four guys going out into the forest, and I think it was Sweden. And there's a really cool, uh, um, like alien beast design in that, like I've never seen before. Mm. And then there's this particular scene in this with a uh, with a half bear, half something else, and it's just making the most <laughs> horrifying sound. And it's it it it's such a cool scene, and it's uh it's a nail biter for sure. Um, and it it got me and my wife talking at the end as to you know yeah. what happened, and sure. uh, so it kind of has a two thousand one space odyssey vibe to it, and so I was really impressed with it feels something along the lines of you know when you look at a movie like arrival that now you can get away with some pretty good science fiction mm-hmm. and i thought that this was again taking a chance and doing something that was somewhat smart and uh, not necessarily a big action spectacle that sure. cared about its characters and and really took its time to develop and so i really appreciated uh the movie from that standpoint yeah um, and so I guess I should have said before, spoilers for <laughs> Annihilation, mm. right. um, if you have not seen it yet. Kristen, you've seen it the most recent. Uh, yeah. And uh, what was I your... Saw it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so you should have, you should just be like ready to explode. Although you probably decompressed and got everything out talking with your husband. I assume you saw it with him. What was your reaction yeah. to the film? It is beautiful. It is a beautiful movie. I love... Uh, sci-fi like that mm-hmm. um, open-ended mysterious uh, really chilling in its way just by the wrongness of certain things it's <laughs> yeah. um, a good way to put it the wrongness uh, specifically like the thing that Eric was talking about yeah oh. that was really disturbing <laughs> Wasn't really, it really I, I disturbing? Had, I literally had my hand over my mouth, like <laughs> just in a, like a gasp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I liked it an yeah. awful lot um, okay. as a movie. I haven't read the book. Um, Me either. I know that Justin read the book. He really yeah. liked it. Um, Do you know if he saw the film? He definitely saw the film. He must have seen the film. I think he said he was going to actually, but I haven't talked to him since then. Yeah, I think he was going to a screening. Yeah. Well, um, okay. But yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Um, just you know, I'm not one. I'm not one for horror, although I can take horrific elements in context of something greater than just hey, we're going to horrify you. Uh, that's I just won't pay for that. And there's some pretty horrific <laughs> things going on in this movie, um, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I love this kind of sci-fi as well when I'm like, what is going on? And I have no idea. 
idea of where it's mm-hmm. going to go. Just like, mm-hmm. I have no idea. And I'm completely just engrossed because I'm like, where is this going? How's it going to end? What's going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I just no idea. And that just happens so, so infrequently these days. Um, so my hat's off. Um, I just I left the theater and I was just beside myself. And I was like, Whoa. It, it took yeah, a while. And they do have they do have a scientific premise in there that makes you think about it. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah. I think it was very well done. I look forward to seeing it again. Um, I wonder your experience, um, Eric, watching it on TV. I'm sure you have a pretty good home theater mm-hmm. setup. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? Did you? Did it feel immersive to you? I mean, did yeah. you, was this okay? Yeah, like when I saw. Well, the, well here's the thing. I mean, um, you know, I work in video, so I do have somewhat of a background in in kind of you know. Uh, you know, film production and, sure. and also special effects and, and certain like sky replacements and, and things of that sort. So I was looking at one frame earlier on and I'm like, man, that looks so phony. And I think it was one shot of the, um, it was this, it was either her house or a small cabin on the beach. It was, and it had kind of like that, that the, it was a weird, um, shot directly into the sun and the way that kind of, it all looked artificial and whatnot and, and the colors. And of course I didn't understand what the, what the colors were all about and, and things of that sort. And I was like, man, that just looks like really cheap sky replacement and some cheap special effects. But then I realized that once you get into this world, mm-hmm. um, then it makes total sense. And it's such a, and it, and, and it's not in your face, mm-hmm. but I do like how subtly the, the rainbow colors are sort of off in the corner of the yeah. screen. But I felt yeah. that the photography was just some beautiful widescreen photography. And I could just feel how massive, um, it was. And, and, and just, you know, it, there were there were so many films that I was thinking about watching this. I mean, it just hmm. seems like it's a, a love letter to to some of the great kind of science fiction or even some of the great action movies. I, I kept on thinking of I mean, I kept on thinking of aliens. I kept on thinking of Predator. I thought of um, hmm. I thought of uh, uh, Jurassic Park, uh, The Lost hmm. World and and, mm-hmm. and War of the Worlds, particularly with our with the bear scene, which was very a very Spielberg suspense sequence. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many little kind of like, I'm not sure whether it was done on purpose, but I could just feel that that was a nod to this or a nod to that. And that's kind of the feeling I had, but nothing felt like it was out of place or distracting me. They had um, such a blatant nod to aliens. And for sure. I, I didn't, it, it didn't pull me out. I just, I loved it right? so much. Yeah. And I, I just love like, the fact there was a group BFG. of women packing, you know, packing yeah. some heat and walking in there. And not to I thought the editing was, yeah. And I thought the, well, right. And I thought, but you know what, this is a, yeah, and this, this should have been, and I, I mean, again, I don't know how successful this was. And I, and I, I guess I, it wasn't because well, it went to Netflix around the world. And, and this should have been, kind of the ghostbusters you gotta yeah. you know ass kicking women and they're all very interesting characters yeah. within themselves as well which is i think is 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 great and some of them might find them cliche but i just like the fact that the reason that they're going is because they each have their own problem right. and everybody that even went into sorry what was it called um the shimmer is that what the it was shimmer, called that's right and you know they all had their own issues and the reason they were going because they knew it was a one-way trip and and i and i and i loved that but um but yeah, I just, I mean, the, you just even that kind of like that first scene of, again, like it reminded me of Stargate, you know, when they're walking into the mm-hmm. shimmer, but they're all like, mm-hmm. you know, they're packing heat and it's like, you know, badass women in a movie. And I, but I didn't see it as like a, I didn't see it as like a women power movie or something no. like, hey, we got to put women in this. It's just, right, I felt no. like it was, it made sense. It totally made sense. And they're, they all had a purpose. And, yeah. um, 
And that's what I really liked about it. Again, yeah, they were just really good characters, even the minor ones. Yep. They they mm-hmm. they were fleshed out. And yeah. and what they you did cared about them. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that I I didn't like was I mean, again, the, our our characters doing stupid things. Right when they are sleeping at night, that first night, um, well, sorry, when they get to the base, right? And they're in that mm-hmm. um, guard tower. And what do they do in the middle of the night? They decide to, <laughs> they oh, go let's go outside. down, go outside and let's get yeah. eaten by a bear. It's yeah. like, what are that you will, doing? But I mean, I guess that sort of thing had to happen, but it was, it was, I was shocking to the point that we knew something was going to happen. I just didn't realize that we were going to lose one of our characters and one that we actually cared about so quickly. Yeah. In that way. And again, that's again, nice surprise. And one minute warning. Right. Oh my and gosh, it was so, and it was so good, yet. but still our, our <laughs> character. Yeah. Sorry. And our characters just did something stupid. That's the only thing I didn't like about it. It was just, it was just the one dumb thing that just, yeah, that, anyway. Okay. Let's talk I about like there's that. something else you didn't like about it. That's, and there that's was, that yes. was a segue I was yes. waiting for. Yes. But Eric didn't make the segue. Well, I was going to let you introduce it and hopefully you guys can say something more because I'm just eating up all the time. 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> I didn't like the score. It was a wasted opportunity. It was annoying at the the, the major key part. Uh, I don't understand the sounds that it was making, and it sounded like a music video that I watched back in the the late '90s called uh, Flatbeat, starring a puppet, a yellow puppet named Mr. Oizo. If you haven't seen it, check it out. But it was making the wah, wah sounds, and I'm like, I'm out of this. The, the score was a wasted opportunity. Okay, Kristen, what do you think of the score? Uh... I love Portishead. I love Ex Machina. I didn't really love this, but I liked it in the third act. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she came in right under the bell. But I didn't get to go, so I'm taking some extra time. We'll, sh- we'll shave it off of Star Wars. How about that? <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> we'll save some time off Star Wars. Um, no, did you have more to say, Kristen, on the score? No, that's that's basically it. Now, um, all right, let me be the contrarian here. Um I think it was very effective in the film, not as a musical score, but as sound design that sometimes had musical elements in it, but still helped create atmosphere. I mean, that stuff was so it was was gritty, grungy, disturbing. Would you classify this along with Dunkirk? Uh, Maybe kind of. But not, maybe, 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 um, maybe so. I mean, very, well, I think this was more effective than Dunkirk's score was. Because uh, this, it was just grading. It was just, it helped to enhance the tension that I felt throughout the entire movie. And then in those specific scenes, like the the gutting scene <laughs> and the bear scene, it was just, it worked it was very effective. So I have to give it credit on that. I do think a great missed opportunity is not necessarily in making like a full orchestral score or something that, that would have felt weird. I think with this movie, um, but the, the, the little motif that everyone's kind of grabbed onto is the only real musical thing you can pull out of this movie, aside from the little guitar playing, which was kind of weird. Um, Mm -hmm. was that four note, five note, whatever it was, little bit that was actually in the trailer, which I immediately, adhered to when I watched the trailer for the first time because that stood out to me that which is like the voice of the dude you were talking about earlier but (laughs) it used that a few times and I remember when I saw it in the trailer because it uses it several times in the trailer I'm like man that's going to be the sound that everyone knows and carries with them and mimics and copies and uses for the year 2018 
well, they hardly use it in the film. And I think that could have been if the movie one had gotten a proper marketing budget and had actually been put in theaters everywhere instead of just in the U.S. and China or wherever the other country was. Um, it could have be it could have become one of those iconic motifs um, because people have gravitated towards that thing and have been humming it and doing all these things and doing reaction videos and they're and they're literally singing that little tune after they watch the trailer and so I really hoped that I'd hear more of that throughout the score. Now apparently I read an interview with Ben Salisbury and he says it's all throughout the score, but it's so processed and so distorted and who knows what I can't hear it. That's the only time he says it's even in the guitar little guitar theme that they have. I'm like, I can't, I can't hear that in there at all. Um, and there supposedly was a, like a, they did a full orchestral score for this film. And then they redid it all with what we got in the end. I'd love to hear what they did in the fully orchestral version of this, but I have to say it's not a score that I will listen to. But I have to say, in context, it was really effective. Um, and I have to give it marks for that because this is a different kind of film. Um, and if it just even it had a wonderfully big, bodacious score by Elliot Goldenthal, I don't I think oh, I would have felt man. very different about this film. It wouldn't have been as maybe as intense or it I might have felt a little bit more separate. I felt like I was in this film. Like when that when the skull bear dude was like coming <laughs> forward towards the screen, I'm pushing myself back in my seat, like get away from me. Um, and so, can you guys give it that? Can you give it? It was effective, or no? Because I didn't, I didn't really, uh, it didn't really register with me. Mm -hmm. um, I, okay. I look, you know, it. I'll give it. I'll give it that it creates atmosphere, but I mean. You lay down, you lay down some drones, and and you can create atmosphere, and that's what I felt mm -hmm. a lot of it was, and and then it got to the point that the guitar playing seemed out of place, and, yeah. and especially there's a there's a portion I, in the middle that where I don't think worked. I don't think that worked at all, and I, I didn't I didn't completely understand it, and then of course the the big reveal at the end, it was just it it, it then the, the score became prevalent to me in a, the wrong way where mm. I was paying attention to it. And I, I don't think it was necessarily because it reminded me of that music video. It just seemed like the, it seemed like the wrong sound somewhat like the finale to uh, the final action sequence in, in Blade Runner uh, 2049, when it just became overbearing and it just felt like it was the wrong thing. It just, it, it called attention to itself negatively and I don't mm. like that. Mm. And so I don't mind an atmospheric um, score. I just wish that there was something you know, more interesting just musically. And you're right. If you bring in a, in a motif that might be recognizable um, and that's played throughout, um, you know, sort of do a goldsmith thing where you got one theme that is central to, to the entire um, uh, or relevant to the entire movie and you can use it in different ways. And I'm fine with that. But I just felt like it was just laying down drones and, and even trying to get through the soundtrack album myself. It's, it's so difficult. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a tough, but listen. I don't, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not looking for an orchestral score. I'm not looking for anything, um, big and Elliot Goldenthal like, but I'm, I mean, what I was thinking is like, you know, if you can have something, you know, atmospheric and effective, like, you know, Horner did in aliens. Um, I think that would, um, that would work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I don't want to hear it you know, aliens repeated there. I mean, I do sure. like hearing different things, but I, I, it didn't register with me because I was 
I felt that the visuals were, were, were incredibly strong and I wasn't really paying attention to the score. So subconsciously it might've worked for me, but again, during the bear skull thing, I didn't hear music. I was really paying attention to what in the world was going on, yeah. which I guess is good scoring, but I you know, it didn't and register I say with that. Me. And I'm not sure there was music playing during that, during that scene. I, I don't think there was music playing during that scene. Because his um, scream was so, Oh, that was so it brilliant. Was so disturbing that there couldn't have been <laughs> any God. other sound going yeah. on at that time. <laughs> there's just so much. There's so, I mean, here's the thing that we, I mean, I'm, I'm talking really negatively about this score, but there was so much good about it. I mean, I, I, and see, it's unlike unlike a score like like Dunkirk, where I don't want to watch that movie again, even though I know it's a good movie, but I can't watch it because of the score. Mm. I will gladly go back to Annihilation again because I thought it's so well made, and mm. and the score didn't really bother me up until one point. But even that is so minimal that I thought, hey, that's just kind of wrong. It's not really like, ooh, I'm not going to see that again because I just and, thought there's so much that's going the point on there. Where it worked for me. Where why not? <laughs> When what that that third act that's that's yeah. where it actually came together for me and yeah. started working. Um, that long and I'm probably concentrating just piece. on like one two minute <laughs> bit, right? Because I know that you know later on when it ends, it it does become a little bit more musical and more dramatic and interesting. But um, like I said, it didn't really register with me. It's not something I want to. Hey, you know that's uh, I like that music. There's none, yeah. no, nothing in this where I said no. I really like the score. But again, the film I will watch again gladly. Yeah. Okay, I look forward to coming out on Blu-ray and watching it, and because it was—I mean, I think being in the big, in a theater and having that huge immersive experience made all of that made the visuals and the sound all work together all the better for sure. me. Because um, then I listened to the score after, I'm just like, mm, I really don't want to relive the movie <laughs> like this. <laughs> it's not what yeah. I want to have happen. Um, okay, Kristen, do you have any last thoughts um, about the score itself? Uh, no, but we just talked for eight minutes. Oh, wow. an additional eight minutes? Yes. Wow. Wow. So you know what we're going to do, guys? We're dropping Star Wars? We're going to drop Star Wars. <laughs> we're going to drop. Hey, guys, there's a new Star Wars release. <laughs> Dad, does anybody want it? No? Okay, good. <laughs> Let's the move on. are really bad. <laughs> nice. They are so bad. We still have time to spare. <laughs> Even with that. Well, we have one and a half minutes. Let's go. Let's go, Disney Lucasfilm. We want the expanded releases. Come on. Come on. Um, Let's do this. I don't know what the marketing strategy is here. Um, But clearly, they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think they were going to make money on it. Clearly. Of course, they're going to make money on it. But I don't know who the audience is. The people who haven't bought the score yet? How How many of those are there? It's the children of the people who didn't buy the score. I think it's the grandchildren of the people who didn't buy the score. (laughs) I mean, really? I mean, I just can't imagine there are that many people who have yet to buy, who have just now, for some reason, come to the part of their Star Wars fandom that they're like, okay, now I need to get all the previous six because I have Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Man, I've been waiting. Now I'm going to get those previous six because The Last Jedi convinced me that I want the rest of the music. I can't imagine that that's a scenario that exists in a, in large quantities. Is this the oh. first time that under the new kind of Lucasfilm Disney yes. deal with the soundtrack has been on CD, right? The actual, like any music from Star Wars is under the the new Walt Disney label, right? Now it is. Uh, I believe so. I believe so. I could yeah. 
I can't remember the deal. It felt like there was an exception. It might have been a New Hope or something that was still under 20th Century Fox or some or CBS or I some think, weird thing. Yeah. But I just, I, I mean, from all I can tell is that there are some people that are really interested in the remastering and they'll buy it for that. I've also heard that people are genuinely excited about getting the complete Empire Strikes Back double LP on CD mm. for the very mm. first time. And that's all I can think of. So I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Complete releases are nothing for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we hit we hit that marker right on, so that's great. In ab- abbreviated story two, we're going to move right on to story three. And Eric, you're going to talk about story three. Yeah, this uh, came to me last week. Austin Wintry contacted me and said, hey, check out my new project. And it's something that obviously he had been planning for a very long, long time based on the Kickstarter. Uh, it's called A Light in the Void, and uh, they say it's the first of its kind live concert experience, which is a combination of like this big sort of TED Talk stage show and science, learning about science. They're going to bring in these amazing scientists to tell you some amazing stories, while at the same time, Austin Wintry, and I assume he's going to be there in Colorado conducting the orchestra, and it's going to be a great audio-visual spectacular but they need some money, and uh, the concert takes place, or the show takes place in October. And so Austin Wintry said, "Hey, uh, you know, could you could you help me out with this?" And so the Kickstarter, um, I'm sure there's going to be a link in the show notes, is there, and he's teaming up with an Emmy-nominated filmmaker, Tony Lund, who has worked on various uh, documentaries, award-winning documentaries, of course. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a kind of an interesting premise uh, when. Wintery told me about it and I read the Kickstarter and I'm like, hmm, would I actually go see this? I'm not entirely sure. But like I said, very interesting. So mm. what do you guys think of this uh, this unique premise? Kristen? Uh, three things. First, man, he should get Thomas Dolby just to like show up and be like, science! <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> A little bit of a mismatch in musical styles. <laughs> uh, doesn't have to be. Uh, second, I would see this if it was not in the Rockies because altitude seems to mess with me now. Huh. Um, third, <laughs> when I was in a high altitude oh, place, yeah, you were just there. Uh, namely, namely Sundance. Yeah. Um, I did see a live concert experience similar to this. It wasn't, you know, science or TED Talk, but it was a, they called it a live documentary. And what it was, was the Kronos Quartet playing live, like in a concert, as a documentary sort of coordinated with their concert pieces Mm -hmm. and the filmmaker narrated live. And he also had props and, you know, he he did this whole thing about the ephemeral nature of music. And this is what that sort of reminds me of. And that, uh, the the Cronus Quartet uh, thing is called A Thousand Thoughts, and they're currently touring it. I believe the next place they're taking it is the San Francisco International Film Festival. Mm. Um, I'll get you a link, Chris, if that's where it is. Yeah, um, please. But 
it was an incredible experience. Just the, the live documentary, the live music just washing over you. And I know not everybody has the same tactile experience that I have with music, hmm. but it was overwhelming. And I swear to God, like for at least an hour or two afterwards, mm -hmm. my altitude sickness was cured. I hmm. believe <laughs> wow. in the healing power of Corona's <laughs> Quartet. So if, if that experience uh, set up is going to be, if it's anything like, you know, what Austin Wintry has in mind mm -hmm. for this Ted talk, I am, I would be all in on that. Hmm. Is this um, something you would even go? Oh, well, it's, in the elevation, <laughs> but hey, if if Kronos can heal you, maybe. I, I, I don't know if I want to risk it. It was like I had sudden onset arthritis. It was oh, ridiculous. Ouch, that's not good. I had to be on prednisone and everything. Oh gosh, yeah, that's not cool. That is not nope. cool. Nope. So guys, move it to sea level, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. what's really cool about it is that uh, they are presenting it live on Twitch. Right. So you can watch it free of charge on October 5th. Do you have to be and, a supporter? Uh -huh. I, I imagine I you it would. just it just says we're uh. working uh well, here's the thing they've been working on this for 2 years which is actually pretty amazing. So yeah. um but they've uh oh, no, it says everyone in the world with internet yeah. access can see it free of charge. Cuz here's the thing they've got it already set up, right? They already have the scientists, they have the orchestra, they have everything booked, they have all the the, the people in charge of production. They're going to do this um oh, whether it's God, just a one-time thing so cool. or not. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. the big thing is they want to see if there's enough support that they can take this thing on tour. Yeah. And, and then, yes. I mean, I, I wouldn't travel to Colorado to go see this, but I think if it came to my town, uh, for sure, I would take yeah. my kids and I think we oh would have, have, have a really even good time. If this was, even if this was in New York city and I had to travel to go see it, mm -hmm. like within the same region, totally. Yeah. And, and for those of you who don't know, um, Austin Wintry, you should, but if you don't, um, he's a composer who's done many video games like Journey, uh, The Banner Saga, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, uh, Abzu, and some others. Uh, and his music is absolutely fantastic. Um, he's done scores for small films that I love as well. Um, so, and he's, he's done music for, I think he did one, like one of his first deals that I've ever, I mean, one of his earliest deals, I think it's on Spotify, it's called spirit something or other it's kind of a spacey kind of thing but it's fully orchestral it's beautiful i remember tweeting at him once saying man i'm listening to this um i can't remember the name of it but it has the word spirit in it and it's just fantastic and so to hear his to hear him do some original music for mm -hmm. this do it live to have all of these other things going on at the same time i think will just be will just be fantastic and so they're at uh, sixty-one thousand dollars, and they need eighty thousand. Um, they've got seventeen days to go as of the recording mm -hmm. of this uh, episode. So there's time. You can find a link in the description to uh, to go to the Kickstarter and support it if you want. I uh, highly recommend that you do. There's tons of options in terms of support levels, all kinds of crazy stuff uh, at those different levels. So all the way up to going to a recording session um, with, with Austin Wintry. So, um, yeah, there's some really cool, some original art, all kinds of original art being yeah. commissioned and just great, great stuff. So 
They're going to have a physicist. They're going to have an anthropologist. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a planetary scientist, um, a woman who's uh, on the Cassini mission. Mm -hmm. And it it looks like it's going to be so cool. And it's going to have sort of – it looks like it's going to have um, projected images too. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be a fantastic experience. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Twitch will be great. I'm sure it won't be anything nearly as good as being there, but uh, it's I'm I'm thankful that they're thinking of, you know, everyone else like, "Hey, we want everyone to be a part of this. If you can't be there, you know, at least you can watch it." And so that's I think that's really great. Um so I'm definitely looking forward to it. And what do you guys think? Do you think these kinds of things uh, it it seems like they're growing in popularity. This is on another level, but you've got Brian Tyler doing stuff. I mean, he's got a concert coming up in a couple of days where it's a big, huge Chinese orchestra and implementing uh, doing his his music using Chinese instruments. Um, I mean, just like is it, is it a concert in China? No, it's in it's oh. at the Dolby Theater. For the Kodak Theater, Dolby Theater in L.A., I think. Oh, oh in L.A. Oh, yeah, there have been ads about that. Yeah. You've got that kind if, of stuff. you got Zimmer doing yeah. all kinds of stuff. Um, you've got Ramin well, Javadi doing I was doing going stuff. to remark that in China they do these huge shows um, with dancers and drummers. And you do you remember the Beijing Olympics? Mm-hmm. Like they do shows like that. And like Klaus Badal has been over there doing stuff like that. All right. Yeah. Cause he yeah. did the music. Didn't he do some of the music for the Beijing? For the closing. Oh, the closing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so what do you guys think? Do you think this is a trend that's going to continue for this I, genre of music? Well, I think the popularity of, of our, our, uh, films and concert series. And I think also mm. with how popular Hans Zimmer's concert went. And I mean, that's on Netflix as well. If you've seen, if you haven't mm-hmm. seen that, check it out. It's a great show. And I'm, I kind of feel bad that I didn't go to the one uh, that he presented here in Toronto. I thought there's, yeah, you know, it's Hans Zimmer and concert will be, and honestly, I mean, I have tinnitus and it probably just blown my eardrums out, but I'm, I'm glad I watched it on, on Netflix. Cause it seemed like a really cool show and it was a really cool show. So it's like, these sort of things are becoming the the, the rock concerts now for mm-hmm. for the modern symphony and and this I mean almost started with the the Star Wars symphony yeah. show that that, that, that you know was played ones. in the big big uh, uh, stadiums and so mm-hmm. I think people will latch on to this sort of thing although this this idea again it's just I think it's a tough sell but they're doing all right so far and they're Kickstarter, yeah. but it's just a yeah. unique idea. I don't see this as a tough sell at all. I think this is cool as heck. If I had kids, I would be taking oh, yeah. them to this. For sure. But it's totally. just, again, it's just such a, it's like, okay, symphony music, but it's like, now you bring it in science. It's like, what's going on? Like, why? <laughs> I mean, I, I just want to know what, what was the genesis of this? And, yeah. and it's like, wow. And they've already put two years of life in it. And I mean, they're really passionate about it, but I'm just wondering what else now can you do? Right. And and that's where I think that if hopefully this is as successful as we hope it's going to be, that yeah. then there's some even crazier ideas that we can we can explore oh, I'm in sure. the future. I'm sure that I'm sure if this is successful, you know, people are going to find more and more creative things to do with this with this format. And I look forward to it. I absolutely look forward to it. Um, moving on to story number four. It's another Kickstarter. Uh, story about another Kickstarter project that in, that involves music, and this particular project was brought to my attention, I think, 
late last week. Um, and it's for a book that I had actually not heard of before uh, called Green Rider, which I think is a, is a fantasy series of books, but I think Green Rider is the first book of that series. And a composer by the name of Christina Bischoff is writing a soundtrack for the book. And this kind of thing has been done before uh, to one degree or another. Um, but I found hers to be particularly interesting, uh, a particularly interesting project um, in that she selected this book because she's loved the book for so long. She reached out to the author to like, say, hey, I'd like to write a soundtrack for your book. Would, would that be okay? Got the blessing of the author. Uh, connected with an artist who's going to do not only the art for the CD and all of that, but actually do an art book um, based on the characters, I assume, and locales uh, of of Green Rider. And so her uh, Kickstarter is offering a combination of those things, digital, physical, and then all kinds of other uh, little, I shouldn't say little, some are big, um, things that go with the different levels of, of the of the different levels of pledge pledging. Um, and so I thought this was interesting to bring up, to talk about in terms of, you know, books and soundtracks. And is that mm -hmm. something that you guys, when you read, like when you read fiction, do you listen to film music or any kind of music to help set the mood with when you're reading? Um, I don't know, but I think the idea is fantastic. I support this, embrace it. I wish more composers did it. I, mm. I mean, you know, throughout time, musicians have been inspired by literature sure. and this is just a new way of going about doing it. But I like the fact that she's going to somewhat write it like a film score. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we all know about McNeely's shadows of the empire Yep, and, uh, you know, there's a Dane Walker wrote uh, music for a book called Power Down. Um, Johan de May uh, wrote his first symphony uh, inspired by the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And so I think I don't necessarily think that the, the music is supposed to be there to, you know, be played while you're reading. It's going to be tough to match up certain things here, here and there. But I think that after you're done reading the book, you can listen to the music and then relive the book, uh, through the music. And I just think that, um, you know, this is another way that composers can write a brand new material, um, in a sort of filmic way, but you know, without the constraints of, of, of the film and sort of write, you know, expressive, expansive music the way that you want to, but you know, based on something that inspires you like a book. So, um, and, and I, and I, I, I love this idea. I really, really, really do. And again, you know, listening to shadows of the empire, it's one of the best star Wars scores mm -hmm. out there, I think. And mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily match with again, the book, but there's specific scenes that Joel McNeely wanted to, portray and if he wanted to write a 12 minute action cue for a specific battle in the in the in the book then then he could right and I, and I and i and i love that so i embrace this totally completely and i wish uh, more composers did it what do you think Kristen? uh again three thoughts uh <laughs> <laughs> so organized <laughs> they they just like come to me and i number them um so the first thing that i thought of was okay so for those who don't know, um, 
I am a super dork and I play D&D. Um, and it reminded me of this dungeon crawl classic called Cage of Delirium, hmm. which is sort of like a dungeon crawl through a haunted asylum. And it is, it's written around a soundtrack by a midnight syndicate called Gates of Delirium. Hmm. And it's designed to be played along with the soundtrack. Hmm. Um, so it, it kind of made me think about, you know, these games that have That's soundtracks. That's interesting. Like, and not like, you know, video games, but yeah. like a tabletop Board games, game. Yeah. Um, the second thing that I thought of was Big Finish Productions, who do uh, audio adventures of like Doctor Who and stuff. Mm -hmm. They they have soundtracks for their stories. Mm. They're like they're like uh, audio books, mm. sort of, but acted. Oh right, More like radio shows. Okay. Um, and Joe Kramer, he does music for them. Really? Uh, yeah, he does. He does scores for these Doctor Who radio. Huh. Uh, dramas and um so it reminds me of that sort of music going with storytelling mm -hmm. and finally <laughs> peter and the wolf prokofiev oh, um yeah. yeah um that is a story being told to very specific music yes so i think i think there is definitely a place for this sort of thing in our literature music conglomeration <laughs> <laughs> yes that conglomeration um yeah that's good i had i did not I'd, i never heard of the first the first one the 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 tabletop game with a soundtrack that makes a whole uh, heck of a Cage lot of, of sense delirium is a great module that makes a lot of sense to do that um there used to be a service called book tracks where you could buy mm -hmm books and music together or just the music i can't remember i don't think they exist anymore but they're around three four or maybe five years ago um i used to follow them on twitter i don't think they're still around um but i wholeheartedly behind this there she's at forty nine thousand right now they've already meet, met their goal of thirty thousand, but they have stretch goals of 60 and 90 i was really hoping they could hit their ninety thousand, so so she could record with a full orchestra, um, but they only have five days left as of the recording of this episode. So there's still time if if this episode comes out in time um, for you to to jump in there and and support it. Um, and yeah, I think it's a great idea. I love Joel McNeely's score for Shadow of the Empire. I used to think when that first came out, I thought it was for the game. Right. I didn't Most people find do. out till mo till much much later, many years later. Like, oh, this is for the book, yeah. but it's actually probably the most freeing thing you could score for. Yeah, it's like just write whatever the heck you want. Right? You there's know what's no, crazy? There's no yeah, you know what's crazy? Points, there's nothing. Yeah, and what's crazy about it? He wrote that in two weeks. He had a wow. That's he had insane. a break in between films, and he wish he had more time. He's <laughs> not. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna say he's not proud of it, but he just knows that he was he, he was rushed, more, huh? and he could have definitely done more. But um, I don't know what else more and he could have done. Still in print, so it's yeah. obviously selling. Which it's is, yeah, which is it's great. stunning, which is great. So you can find um, Christina Bischoff's Kickstarter link in the notes as well if you want to support that. It's the 20th anniversary of Green Rider. Has any have you any of you read Green Rider or any of its sequels? No. 
No. I had not even heard of it before. I was like, hmm. I did. I think I downloaded the sample of it, uh, my Kindle, so I at least get a, a vibe because I think there's some Tolkien inspiration there. And so if there's any connection there, then I'm in. So we shall see. So a um, couple of Kickstarter Excuse me. A couple of Kickstarter projects uh, for you all to to check out. Do you guys support Kickstarter projects? Have you ever supported one before? Sure have. Yeah, you, Tadlow, and there. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, and you don't. You did something, Kristen, because didn't you get a theme written for yourself? <laughs> oh, right. Did. How much did you spend for that? I spent a lot of money for that. <laughs> we need to. You, know, the... you need to give me that so I can put it in the show. Get some use yeah. out of that thing. <laughs> There wasn't there a whole. Where else are you going to use your own? There's a, there's a whole YouTube video. Yeah, yeah, oh, there is. I've yeah, it's behind the scenes video. of the guy who are actually creating it. Uh, oh yeah, I think I did see that. But no. I have it on my Dropbox. I can send you. Yeah, a link. Wow. and every time you talk, it'll be over your theme. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think it's a good theme. Well, uh, I hope so. I'm, he wrote I'm it with you perfectly happy with the money I threw at that. Wow. <laughs> That's very cool. I, wasn't that a part of the score documentary thing? Yes, it, it sure was. That's it like wasn't it five years ago or something? Wasn't <laughs> it? It was a long time. Yeah, ago. it was. It was ages ago. Yeah, I, and I, I, remember, I like just got the t-shirt. <laughs> you just got the t-shirt. Wow, I remember well, supporting not, that. That's thing. hyperbole, oh, okay. but I, I got it within the past few months. Oh, wow. still. I remember supporting that thing, and I was like, I'd forget all about it, and I'd be like, "Hey, whatever happened? Whatever yeah. happened to that score documentary?" I mean, that, I must have done that two or three times. Like, did that thing ever come out? And then finally, it did. Um, yeah, I probably shouldn't have thrown money at it because we like ran a story on them. But oh, yeah. well, what what are you gonna do? Yeah, just tell them up front. Hey, perfect, perfect. <laughs> We're doing so well on this episode. It's going to be a breeze to edit this one. Um, so our fifth story, again, is not a story, but if we go as long on this one as we did on Annihilation, this might be our last story. Um, we were going to talk briefly about uh, The Shape of Water. We never did a review of this uh, movie or score, uh, so I wanted to give 10 minutes to that. Mostly I brought it up now because I just finally saw the movie last weekend, um, and so I just wanted to talk a little bit about... We've all seen it. We've seen we've seen the film. We talked about mm-hmm. the film and the score. Um, I'll just say, I saw the film. I'll get your guys' general reactions to the film in a second. I'll just say, I thought it was good. Uh, I thought it was visually beautiful. But there's no way in the world that movie would have ever been my best picture. I, it's not a bad picture. I just, I thought, this is not best, best picture. It's just, it's just not. Um... But on those two fronts, well, I'll give it the act, acting for Sally. Oh, I forgot. Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins. I thought she did a brilliant job. Um, Doug Jones always is great uh, in his costumes, in his makeup. Um, the cinematography was great. And I thought Guillermo did, did do a good job of directing. But it just was nowhere nowhere near a best picture for me. Um, Kristen, what do you think about the film? Um, I'm about where you are. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good story. Um, weird story, but a good story. <laughs> um, but it doesn't reach like his pan's labyrinth level of expert filmmaking. Mm. I, I don't think. Um, 
So, mm-hmm. eh, I mean, so yeah, I it would have it would have been my pick for best picture. Um, it would have. I mean, I I did I it would not have been. Oh, would not have been. Okay. Yeah, I did pick it because I was choosing based on what I thought would sure. win because it was just on such a roll during the critics awards. Yeah. Um gosh, it, it's so funny how every year they just like it's like they pick the last movie they saw and it's a juggernaut <laughs> yeah they until the oscars it. it's like this is my it's, child it's so weird and i swear it's like the last thing they saw in december mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it is, it's kind of weird it's kind of <laughs> anyway weird. i i just expected you know i'd heard a lot about it i knew a lot of people who saw it and who really liked it um yep i just i just so my expectations were i don't know why i even when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, that looks really good. I can't wait to see it. And then I just never did. And it just kind of kind of came out and did, did its thing. And then it won all these awards. And I was just like, I don't know why I'm not excited to see this. And, you know, I, at the, so I had this weird dichotomy of high expectations because wins all these awards. Lots of people like it. And then at the same time, for some reason, I just wasn't super engaged uh, or or hyped to, to see it at the same time. I don't know how that works. Um, and then I kind of came out the other end feeling exactly that way. Just like, yeah, it was, yeah. It was good. It was good. I went to go see it with someone who hates Guillermo del Toro's films. Oh. So that kind of tempered my expectations <laughs> automatically. <laughs> and I love his films. So I think we canceled each other out. <laughs> All right. Eric, what did you think of the film? Yeah, I I liked it. And uh, I've been following it closely because it was filmed... Uh, in and around my old hometown of Hamilton, Ontario, oh, really? and in Toronto. Huh. So the bridge um, at the end of the movie um, is the Gardner Expressway that leads into um, downtown Toronto. I also, I, actually, I thought it was the Skyway Bridge in, in Hamilton, which is our uh, our iconic bridge that links uh, Hamilton Burlington. I thought that's where they filmed it. Hmm. Um, but Guillermo del Toro on Twitter, he just was praising Hamilton. He loves shooting there. And there are other... Um, landmarks that I recognized as, oh yeah, I know where that is. I know where that is. I know where that is. So he, um, you know, he recreated 1960s Baltimore mm-hmm. in around my old uh, neighborhood. And uh, there are parts of Hamilton that look like it's still stuck in, in the 1960s, <laughs> especially, uh, especially downtown. Um, so to be fair, Baltimore, where um, I, I used to live is also yeah. stuck, stuck in, in the 60s. So they yes. could have shot parts. it there. <laughs> Hamilton's quite run down downtown. It's, um, it's not so pretty. Baltimore. It's a. Uh, it's 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 a. It's our steel city. Uh, it's Canada's steel city, and okay. it's um. Yeah, there's there's some rough rough patches, but there's some beautiful places like the the the, you know, the old movie theaters and um. So that some theater, of the other locations was that yeah, a real it, location there? Yeah, that's a real location. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and so they did a really good job. Um, and so I've been following it, and then I saw the trailer, and I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be a pretty amazing movie, and. You know, watch some of the behind the scenes of the special effects, especially that opening sequence where, you know, you think it's all underwater, but they're mm-hmm. all actually on on rigging wires. And I'm like, wow, that's so mind blowing. I can't believe that's done. And then um, I just felt that some of the scenes were rushed. Um, mm-hmm. I felt that her relationship with the with the fish man was, I was like, you didn't really, I didn't really feel the yeah. connection or the chemistry because it happened so quickly. Really like fast. She fed him some food. She danced yeah. for him. And all of a sudden they're in love. Yeah. Where I think. And then, and then, of course, sometimes the, it's like that. Oh, oh no, I mean, oh, trust me. I, my, I went my wife. It, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, lightning, love at first sight. I would have married her right then and there. Aww. 
and I was 16 years old. I totally believe in love at first sight. However, I just feel that a little bit more interaction between the two of them. Yeah. Before like even what the, the major escape sequence, which happens at the middle of the movie. Yeah. And then we're outside of the compound for the rest of it, um, where I then kind of felt the chemistry for sure. Um, then so that yeah it just it just felt a little uneven to me um yeah. but it looked great the special effects were fantastic i mean i couldn't tell the difference between whether you had the live actor in the fish shoot or the what was uh, computer generated because there's mm-hmm. a lot of computer generated uh stuff in this and it was like jurassic park seamless it was mm. so yeah they good. did like i had no yeah. idea i always thought it was the guy in rubber suit the whole time and it wasn't I didn't and, think the in-water shots, underwater shots were. No, not were the underwater. Yeah, not the, un- but the stuff where he was in the tub, um, that's a computer generated uh, fish man. Oh, um, really? Him. Yeah. Really? There's, even when he um, um, uh, emerges from the water for the first time, uh, that's a computer generated huh. uh, head in the water. I'm like, I'm, no way. Um, wow, or when he's in really the, well um, the cylinder yeah, for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Eyeballs. Yeah. But, right. but even the whole thing is computer thing generated. Is, like huh. the water, all the water, um, all computer generated. It was like, what? Why would they do God that? damn it. Marvel has no excuse now. <laughs> right. So the watch, watch any behind the scenes stuff with this movie. It'll blow your mind. Like this is <laughs> CGI work done properly. I just don't know. And why so, would you need to do that? CGI? I don't know either. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's like, I mean, maybe the suit gets, get some water. Yeah. Maybe Doug the suit gets the just off. drenched. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, and then I thought, um, you know, the score was fine. I think it could have been a little bit more emotional at the end. I felt it yeah. just kind of tapered off. Even the, the ending felt a little like, oh, that's, that's it, huh? That's it. Yeah. Um, I didn't need an ET finale, but I felt that there was just, there just needed to be something again. It just felt rushed like yeah. a lot of the scenes, uh, beforehand, but, um, I enjoyed it. I don't think I'm ever going to see it again and it's no mm-hmm. pans labyrinth or, or Hellboy for me. Um, right. So, uh, but yeah, I don't think I would have picked it as best. I mean, my favorite movie of the year was the Florida project and didn't even get nominated for anything except for Willem Dafoe. So, Hmm. um, that tells you what I enjoyed uh, last year. Interesting. I also think the score was a bit underwhelming. I mean, when I first heard the main theme, I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's a nice main Mm -hmm. theme. It just didn't really get developed as, as much as I thought it would. Especially, I knew the end would be emotional one way or another, no matter what the ending was going to be. And so I'm with you. I, I, it felt a little flat, like it didn't really go as far as it could have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was a little bit disappointed with that. And yeah, I agree. I may watch it again just purely for the visuals because um, I, I get just entertainment out of great visuals, even if the movie's terrible. I'll, I mean, mm-hmm. Jupiter Ascending... It's one of my favorite movies. And it's that horrible. It does look amazing. But I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm um, with you there. So uh so I may watch it again. I don't think I'll buy it, but um yeah, I felt the score was a was a bit underwhelming as well. But I tend unfortunately I tend to be a little underwhelmed by uh Diplom most of the time. Although I did recently go back and re and re listen to the Golden Compass because we talked about the um we talked about that last week, and I like that score a lot more now than I did when it first came out. Um, I really was like, because Stardust came out the same year as that. I'm like, no, no, Stardust is the Stardust is the best fantasy score of the year. I don't want mm-hmm. to hear anything about Golden Compass. But now that I'm ten <laughs> years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Golden Compass, pretty good score. Um, Kristen, what do you think of the plus score for Shape of Water? 
It was very beautiful. Um, it's not my favorite Dupla, mm-hmm. but and I don't think it was best original score per se. Mm. But it was very pretty. Mm-hmm. It was it was beautiful work. I thought uh, very French work. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say that I I thought the same thing, and uh, little did I know that the accordion is actually yeah. meant to represent South America, not anything French. Because the oh. creature's from South America, and apparently oh. the accordion is quite he a... He changed up what type of accordion it is, so yeah. it wouldn't be too French. Yeah. And it was oh, still very I French. Yeah, but, that's, but, that's, but everybody thinks it's very French, yeah. And it was, I think it was John Broxton, when I was reading his review, he's like, no, 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 the whole point was to to use the accordion as the sound of the, of the fish man... But and, how many people this, are going to know that? Oh, yeah, then they won't. We, we ran an interview with him, and he said the same thing. Yeah. And we're like, hmm. they should have put maracas in or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would have. Yeah, you're right. Up. I mean, it's it is it is very French. But I do like the voicing in the score, though. I mean, like he had eight flutes going, and his whistling was 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 yeah. was lovely. And of course, him, you know, whistling when he won the Academy what's, Award was was actually quite nice. What's the and, instrument where you scrape the thing and it's the. What is that? Oh you yeah, know? yeah, I know what that thing is. I'm not sure what that. That uh, would have been pretty creepy, creepy to use that whenever he's for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whenever he's coming surfacing <laughs> out of the water, <laughs> it would sound like wild things. <clears throat> Go back and listen to that score. That's all over that score. Is it okay? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of the first things you hear uh, in the main theme. Uh, I, I need yeah. to know the name of that instrument now. Okay, let's move on to our sixth. Hey, we did pretty good with Shape of Water. Only 10 minutes yeah, or a little over. We did all right. Our sixth story and last story of the night. And uh, Eric is going to introduce this story. Uh, this came up actually today in a, well, I guess I can say it. It's a, it's a, it's actually a closed group on Facebook um, called Perspectives, a forum for film, TV, and media composers. And uh, Richard Kraft, uh, one of the, the big agents uh, in film music, uh, shared a link to uh, a story on the new composing team for the music of The Simpsons. Now, if you didn't know, uh, the longtime composer, Alf Clausen, was let go. Mm-hmm. I think I could <laughs> let go, fired. Uh, I don't know what the deal is, <laughs> but he was let go. And then this group of musicians uh, called Bleeding Fingers got the job. And uh, what's interesting about Bleeding Fingers is is that they have an association with Hans Zimmer. Mm -hmm. And they are, from what I can recall, they were a production music house. So they would just create, you know, those $30 to $40 pieces of music you can buy online, slap them Mm -hmm. in a video, and 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 it's yours. um, And you get the license to it. So, But now they have been tapped to write the music for one of the, the, the biggest... Uh, animated television shows of all time, which is going on like it's 900th season. <laughs> and I'm not sure who still watches it, but a lot of people were really, really angry with the way that Alf Clausen was let go. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of news has come out about exactly how he was let go or, or what had happened and right. why this sudden change. But all of a sudden we get this article and it was written in on the music com.au so it's an australian website where uh the article 
they chat with the new composing team for the music of The Simpsons, which includes Jeff Foster and this guy named Russell Emanuel, the chief creative officer of Bleeding Fingers Music. And it reads more like a press release than anything. Not a lot of new information was brought out, although we have found out that there are at least 12 in-house composers Mm -hmm. that were surgically picked to write the music now for The Simpsons. So instead of one man who's been doing it since the beginning, they've got 12, what, it's like under 30 years old composers working on these episodes now, and it just all seems really bizarre. And then everything blew up in this Facebook form because there's a lot of composers there, a lot of big-name composers as well, and they are not happy about this at all and some of them to the point that they're like angry at the composers the new composers which i don't think they should be Mm -hmm. um but just the whole situation is still uh, like we really have no idea what in the world happens so um again i'm not sure whether we discussed this on the show or or not but um you know first of all what do you guys think about the change and then secondly you know do you think this is the way that we are going to see music composed that's going to be by committee instead of by a single composer. Hmm. Yeah, this has absolutely been the trajectory that has been set by, you know, starting with media ventures, going into remote control productions, and now bleeding fingers. That is exactly the model that I have been having trouble with, uh, because it's all this fast turnarounds, turning music into library music. Uh, It's... And the way that Clausen was fired, let's just say, I, did you see his tweets about it? I didn't see his because, tweets, no. <laughs> yeah, he had tweeted about it. And from his point of view, it was all very unceremonious. <laughs> hmm. Like very impersonal. Hmm. Because he did 27 years, right? 27 yeah. seasons. Yes, and, and for someone to give like 27 years of his career to a television show and there being absolutely no show of loyalty toward him and i i feel like loyalty is something that a lot of the older composers really appreciate and hold dear and if that is the sort of thing that is now just being let off into the ether we're no longer going to honor people who have given almost three decades of their career to us yeah like that that's i'm aghast by the whole thing and the simpsons has been not great for a long time now it's no longer super quotable You, you no longer have lines that you can just say to someone the goggles they do nothing and they'll know what you mean <laughs> yeah. it's, oh, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. It it is tragic for sure. Um uh, I I agree too. I think this is the way things are going, unfortunately. Now it can go this direction, but and we don't you know, we don't know we don't know what went down exactly, but you would still if he's tweeting about it, you would still expect there to be some sort of I don't know, a respectful transition. Even if you want to change the sound for some reason in season 28 um, and you have you have options that you want to go with, 
there's you know one would one would think there would be a very respectful honorable way to go about that process for a spe- I mean I don't has there been another television show that's run for 28 seasons? I think I mean, it's the longest. Like 60 yeah. minutes or something, but they don't have Saturday a, Night Live? Yeah, they, yeah I guess yeah. they have a theme. Um, you know, so it's a handful of TV programs that would qualify, and even less that have an actual, that actually have music written for them every week. Um, so one would think that you'd pay, uh, you know, special attention. Again, we don't know what took place, but... It's double tragic in that one that it went from a single person writing all this music, or maybe he had help, um, to a more production house style. And then the way it looks like it happened kind of seems like a double tragedy. And that's sad. And if that's, you know, we know it's a business and we know it's a cutthroat business, but I guess you think that there are some lines that won't be crossed. There's some some loyalty somewhere. Again, we don't know the details of what happened, but it certainly doesn't look good, and it doesn't paint a very nice picture for the future. Um, and I'm really curious to – I don't watch The Simpsons. Um, I've seen scattered episodes throughout the years, so I'm familiar with it. But I'm really interested to see the first episode that Bleeding Fingers scores because I want to hear the difference um, and to see what direction they've gone. It sounds like from that article that they keep bringing up the punk rock sort of genre. Um, I don't know how that works in the Simpsons. Why do they keep why Why do they keep on bringing up punk rock? I don't know. Or a a family comedy and. Be what's basically a production music house. I don't know. Doing, like they they do they do like corporate library music. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. I really don't know. Erg. But that's why I'm curious to see, because um, they say in that article too, we're going to be really respectful to Clausen's music. But we know that. How about being respectful to Clausen? Exactly. Yeah. yeah agreed. <laughs> yeah. That I think that's key here. I. I don't think any of us give a crap about the Simpsons. I just think that for a guy who's worked so long on, on a program of this sort could Mm -hmm. get some sort of send off, you know, like even he should be in the show. I mean, I guess there's, has he been in the show? I would think they would have illustrated him at some point, but I mean, at least give him like, say, Hey, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're not having you back. Maybe we're like, we're running out of money. We're going to hire a bunch of teenagers to write the music instead, but Hey, you know what? Let's do the last episode. And let's send you off in the right yeah, way. Let's be a little bit respectful for, like, could you imagine doing this to someone like John Williams, like Steven Spielberg's like, oh, I'm not going to use you because man, just get lost, right? It's like, no, there's respect shown there. It's like, hey, sure. you know, John, you're sick. Who do you think should be brought in or whatever? And you know, like you said, you know, it's like the older folk seem to have more respect for this than than the, than the younger people coming in here. Um, what I What I don't like to see and what I hope doesn't happen is that people are going to hate this just because these composers are taking over Hmm. from um from 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 closet i mean they've got to work they've got to do the job and someone someone's got to do this um like nobody's gonna go hey you know what we're not doing this because of the way he was treated it's some someone's going to do this they're going to find a way of doing this and if they have to find 40 dollar production music throwing it that's the way they're going to do it Mm -hmm. um i just think also Hans Zimmer's name being attached to this is just going to add more fuel to the fire to the people who hate him the most yeah. And that's just what's like, wow, what a, I mean, what happened here? Was it, he, was it malicious? He has a connection to the Simpsons. I mean, he did the Simpsons movie. Right. So it's but not he like, should, again, that's another thing he shouldn't have blue. touched at 
all. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I just, it just, this is bad news and it's not about the Simpsons. <laughs> it's just right. bad news yeah, for film it's, music it's as a whole here. It's about decision makers Indeed. here. Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of people in the industry that are not happy about what happened. Well, maybe that outcry will hopefully dissuade others from, from doing similar things. Uh, we can hope for that anyway. Because it doesn't look, it's a bad look for, for everybody. It really is. Yeah. Um, well, I should have picked a different story to end on. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got Ready Player One off. coming. We got Ready Player One coming. We can talk about that next <laughs> next show. We started off with Annihilation. Oh, I have to go see and that. we ended with Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I hope you have some happy music at the end that you can play. <laughs> yeah, I'll find something. <laughs> we'll, we'll liven it back up musically. Yeah, we'll play as... the Simpsons theme by oh. Danny Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Maybe we will. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. The most the most famous piece of Simpsons music is not Clausen's music. It's, it's true. It's very oh, true. Oh, poor Elf. Yeah. Well, we'll get his name yeah. out there. People will know. People will know know his mark in the world. Indeed. I mean, can you just imagine how much music he's written for that show? That's just it's there. That's, there is a YouTube video out there that uh, that kind of does a behind the scenes look at um, and uh, at, at the composing of one of the episodes. And I think he does mention how many hours. I can't recall oh, really off the top of my oh, head. But I mean, he's. I mean, wow! I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine how much. You know, we're in a real transitionary time for TV music in terms of. I mean, you've got. Um, Murray Gold is no longer doing Doctor Who, mm. and now you've got yeah. Alf Clausen not doing uh, Simpsons. Those are two. I mean, can't. I mean, Murray Gold wasn't doing it for thirty years, but he's Mister Who, right? And uh, he's not doing that anymore. So it's kind of a interesting. I don't know who's doing Mister Who now. Do you? Does anyone know? You watch no. Mister Who, don't you, Kristen? Doctor Who. Um, Doctor Who. Well, Doctor Who. Who. Yeah. Um, I did, and then I disowned it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And I know it, about it that. It takes a lot for me to disown it because I was watching since Peter Davison. So, so yeah, I don't know what that means. I assume that's a long time. <laughs> a, lo- a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. Very, means. very long time ago. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. So you don't know who's doing this music now, or the no. next for next year or whatever. No. No. Okay. All right then. Well, we're gonna wrap up this episode of Soundcast, episode one hundred and four, Soundcast six, volume seven. Thank you so much for listening, Kristen Romanelli. How can people find and follow you on the internet? The easiest way to find me is on Twitter. At KB for now, that's KB F O R N O W. You can find Film Score Monthly online. Uh, Film Score Monthly, no, F, no, <gasps> no. Did you what screw it, it up this time? She did. I screwed it no. up this time. Oh, our URL is the worst. FSMOnlineMag.com, also on Twitter, FSMOnlineMag. We have a new issue up that we just put live today. We, oh, nice. We held it back because we had technical difficulties. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's live now, just in time for the end of the month. 
Excellent. Eric, how can people find, follow, and listen to you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sound Radio, Facebook at Cinematic Sound. You can find Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net and on Apple Podcasts. And soon I will be launching the Speed Pike Widget site. <laughs> nice. Just, no, absolutely not. But, uh, I cannot wait. Speedpike.ca. That'll right? <laughs> <laughs> be in development hell for the rest of my life. Uh, nice. Yeah. So if you can check out the show, that'd be great. I actually today uh, just uploaded the my f- top ten favorite Western tracks of all time, and oh, I, I saw that tweet to put in City Slickers. Ooh. Oh, like an well, idiot. You can't. But it's actually do doing more. pretty well. It's doing pretty well. People are actually pretty interested in this one. So, oh, good. Yeah, a lot of good yeah. music from westerns. Yeah, check that and out. it was it was a fun one to put together. Um, and I had to leave a lot of stuff off, including city slickers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure someone called you on it immediately. They did. They did. And that's. I mean, I totally forgot about it. And you said, "What about city slickers?" I'm like, "Oh my god, you're right." <laughs> and that's one of my favorites. So, right. well, anyway. new list next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adjusted yeah. for 2019. Uh, uh, forgotten western tracks. Yeah. Um, you can find every episode of the Soundcast at thesoundcast.com. We're also on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Acast, and also on Spotify. Um, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Audio Soundcast. Uh, leave us a little voicemail on our Speak Pipe widget. Let us know what you thought about the show. You can send us an email too at soundcastertracksounds.com. Um, if you'd like to follow me directly on Twitter, you can do so at C. Coleman. Also, check out, if you haven't checked out, The Annotator, which is our other podcast. Um, I have a new episode coming out tomorrow with Chris Madigan, who wrote the score for uh, Cuphead, which just won a GDC award, I believe, this last weekend or so. Um, and, and he's going to be in Boston soon with the Meisters of Video Game. Oh, nice. Of video Games at PAX East. Okay. Perfect. So check out that show this that show as well where we just have composers come on and they just talk right through their tracks. They tell you interesting stories and little bits of information about how they wrote the particular piece and what instruments they use and what challenges they came up with. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And they're short. They're 20 minutes or less. So it doesn't take long to get through an episode. You can find those at theannotator.net. So, until our next episode, thanks for listening, and may the notes be with you. Everybody, if you can do the fine man, she can turn it out. If you can't, get it out, man. Everybody in the house,